0: Today we're focusing on Jesus is here and uh, you know when we get our eyes on Jesus something happens. There's an old song that says the things of earth would grow strangely dim. (laughs) And there are some things in our world that we are good to be glad that they grow strangely dim. eh? They just kind of fade away as we get our eyes on Jesus. So I'm just encouraging you uh, let's get our eyes on Jesus this morning, and uh, and let Him catch our attention. You know, there, there's a lot of things that can capture our attention. There's a lot of a lot of negative things that can capture our attention. There's fear that can capture our attention. But as Jen said, that when the lion walks in, you know, it's His presence that captures our attention. So I just want to encourage you that Jesus is the Lion of Judah, and so let's let Him capture our attention this morning. So, I, I don't know, uh, uh, and I wish she was here. My wife is uh, serving as a host on Online Church. She's got a, kind of a code name she uses on there. You can kind of tease her about it. She she calls herself Snow, just in case you're wondering. And, and uh, so she's serving as a host, so she can't be here. So I get to talk a little more freely about her, which is a good thing. But I don't know if you've noticed, if you know Carla and I, uh, or have known us for any length of time, uh, that we are quite a bit the same, and we're quite a bit different. There's some things about us that are the same. We both love Jesus. We're both, we're both dedicated followers of Jesus. We both love our family. Uh, but there's things that are about us that are quite a bit different. You might have noticed that Carla is very small. Uh, In fact, she's five feet tall. I'm six foot two. Where She's small. I'm large. Um, uh, She's very quiet. And I'm not quiet. I'm very loud. And, And another thing about Carla, she likes things to stay the same. She likes things to stay the same. But I like adventure. I like things to change. I like new things. For instance, for me, it's fun just to... Move things around in the house. I, I like to move the pictures around on the walls and put them in different spots. I like to change the furniture. You know, I want the couch to be in a different spot. Just like no, no, no occasion or whatever. I'll just like get up one day and decide this needs to be different. And I, I just change everything around. Or I like to move stuff in the cupboards, you know, <laughs> like, like, oh, let's not have the plates in this cupboard anymore. Let's put them over in that other cupboard just because wouldn't it be fun for things to be different? For me, that's fun. For Carla, that's stressful, right? Because she likes things to be the same. To me, it makes me smile. To her, it makes her upset. I think you kind of know where I'm going with this. She smiles when things are predictable and constant. Another thing um, about Carla and I is we both have different love languages. We both have different love languages. So when I talk about a love language, what I'm talking about is the way that we give or the way that we receive love or understand love. Right. So I don't know if you've ever bought something that was made in a in another country that spoke a different language. Like oftentimes, if you buy something made in China, they've they've translated the instructions from Chinese to English. And sometimes it's just funny to read the instructions because. Sometimes, literally, when you translate it, it just doesn't make sense, right? And uh, it's sometimes that way with love, that we don't all receive or give love in the same way. Gary Chapman wrote a book, really interesting book about this. He called it the five love languages, and he described them as these five. You can maybe see yourself in one of these. One of them is acts of service, acts of service, is a love language. Uh, Words of affirmation, that's a love language. Uh, Quality time, quality time. Gifts, gift giving, and physical touch. You know, my love language, my top love language, and you might find you have a couple of these, but my top love language is physical touch. Uh, When I'm touched, it speaks to me that I'm loved. For Carla to say uh, that she loves me the way I hear it most clearly is through her touch. You know, there's little quizzes online. You can, you can help. Uh, they can help you find your love language. Or you can just, more simply, just think about how is it that you like to express love? You know? How is it that you like to express love? Is it do you, do you often, the first thought, you want to hug someone, Right? I found the other day I was uh, uh, talking to somebody that was going through a time of great grief, and my first response was to go over to them and want to hug them because that's my love language. Touch is my love language, and so I thought the way they would receive love is is by me to touch them. I'm not recommending that right now because you might get yourself into some trouble. Now the other the other thing uh, about love language. Uh, is uh, um, you could be uh, giving a gift or that sort of thing. So um, Carla's love language is acts of service. Acts of service. So this works out really good because um, I like to fix things, right? It's kind of fun for me to to fix things. So I fixed the washing machine The Carla's washing machine broke. And I fixed it like seven years ago. And I'm telling you, she still can't keep her hands off me, right? Because her love language is, is serving. So when I did that, man, she's still remembering that day. So I, I just want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe you're not, not, not uh, communicating really well in your love languages. And I want to just encourage you that, that it didn't start off like this for us. You know, we didn't get it at first. You know, I spent more than one night sleeping on the couch in the early days of our marriage. You know, I did all kinds of boneheaded things that, that didn't convey to Carla that I loved her. I didn't understand her love language was acts of service. And, and, uh, and I think some of us uh, can probably say, oh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. You know, if you're a man and you're married and you come home, and it feels like a fridge in your house. You know what I'm talking about? Things are chilly <laughs> between you. There's not a lot of love going on. A lot of, not a lot of communication. Not a lot of eye contact or whatever. It just, it's like, uh-oh, what did I do now? You know, that, that kind of a feeling. Maybe you're out with friends. Or maybe you were uh, coming home late from work for the 72nd time in a row. Or, or you spent money uh, without talking about it with her and she's not looking at you, and things are chilly, I'm just suggesting to you not to ask her what's wrong, right? Don't ask what's wrong. Because that's just going to move the problem from where it is to a whole other level, right? Because I want to just let you know, guys, just in case you you don't know, uh, I'm going to tell you what the problem is, okay? The problem is, is she wants you to know what is wrong, right? That's what the problem is. She wants you to know what's wrong. That's what's wrong, right? You come in and say, what's wrong? That means you don't know what's wrong, and she wants you to know what is wrong, right? So you're going to move the problem to a whole nother level of problems. These things, by saying, I know what the problem is, by saying I understand you, says it answers two deep needs in our lives. One, that we want to be known and we want to be loved. By saying you don't know, says I don't love you. So don't, don't admit it, right? Don't, don't, don't be silly. I I suggest that you'd want to go to God and ask him, how can I love my wife? How can I love my husband? How can I Show love. Jesus said this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know, so if things are kind of like a tornado, you know, you could just kind of translate this verse uh, into everyday language. It just means that the emotions that are being stirred up in your heart like a storm, they're going to get you into more trouble, (laughs) right? They're going to bust out of your heart. They're going to, they're going to. They're going to slosh out of there, and they're going to get all over the place. So I'm just suggesting to you, stop talking. Stop, stop, uh, sometimes, or, or texting, you know, we just, or Facebook, you know. Uh, going through a problem in a relationship, it's not time just to keep stirring it up like a tornado. That's not going to help. No, that's not going to help. It's going to make it worse, right? Your heart needs to be settled, Right, God needs to speak to you and show you uh, what's going on. So this book, this book, the five love Langu- love languages, is a powerful tool. And as I was saying, Carla and I often give this uh, book as a gift to couples when they're getting married. It's not because we want couples to have a book to read or or something interesting to do. It's because we want to give you the power to give love and conquer problems in your relationship, right? So this can really be a strong, powerful tool, is knowing how to speak the other person's love language. The trouble with our human experience oftentimes is that uh, with love, is that it is it can kind of cloud our perspective of Jesus' love, right? I want to talk about Jesus' love for a few minutes. For instance, my dad... Uh, abandoned my family when I was a young youngster. He abandoned my mom. He abandoned us as kids. He abandoned us. And so that act of abandoning can can actually play tricks on my own mind, my own perspective that that's what happens in relationships, that you have to be afraid of being abandoned. That That's how love works, you know, in, a, in my twisted experience. We can go down a wrong path of thinking that Jesus' love for us is based on our performance, our love performance, our, our ability to please him and cause him to stay faithful to us. If something goes wrong in our lives, we can think, doesn't Jesus know doesn't he see how much I love him? We might say something like, I go to church every Sunday. I, I tune in to church online or whatever you're doing. I give. You know, I give. I tithe. I give to the church. I pray. You know, I, I got up at 3 in the morning at the 24 hours of prayer, and I got up and prayed. Doesn't Jesus see how much? I love him. Or maybe we, we judge ourselves and we think, you know what, I haven't been reading my Bible like I should. I, I haven't been serving, you know. You know, uh, Pastor Kimmy asked me to help decorating and I just made up an excuse that I was too busy or whatever and I just haven't been doing enough, you know. If I just do more, then Jesus will love me. In John chapter 11, there's a story about two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were very close friends of Jesus, the Bible tells us. The story picks up in John 11 at a very intense time in their relationship. Lazarus had become terminally ill. These are desperate times, desperate friends. Martha and Mary, they come to Jesus to appeal to him. And there's something in their appeal that we can learn from in how we can appeal to Jesus. How we can can speak his love language. Now, I just want to give you a couple things of what not to say to Jesus. We can notice what they didn't say. First, notice that they didn't remind Jesus of why they deserved his love. They didn't they didn't remind him. They didn't say, "Hey Jesus, remember we've had you over for dinner multiple times. We we gave you a bed to sleep in, Jesus. You know, we we had you over." We remember those those times we just Spent hanging out together, Jesus. And, and, you know, Mary, I did your dishes for you and didn't complain about that. Washed your clothes, whatever. See, didn't, didn't bring up anything. They did not remind Jesus of why they deserved his love. Another thing that we can see uh, what not to say is that they didn't tell Jesus that they were going to be better friends in the future. <laughs> they didn't tell Jesus, oh, you know, we we could have done better. We, we could have been better. We could have listened to that last sermon you gave instead of going home early or whatever. We, we could have been more generous. We could have followed the rules you gave us better or whatever you might think of, of what you could do better for Jesus. They didn't bring any of that up. What they did is they spoke Jesus' love. Language. And we find it in John chapter 11, verse 3. And Mary and Martha said this, Jesus, the one whom you love, is sick. See, it wasn't their love. It wasn't Lazarus' love or anything they did, anything they would do or could do. They realized what motivated Jesus it is Jesus' own love that motivates him. It's Jesus' love that motivates him. They said, Jesus, the one whom you love, is sick. His own desire to bless, heal, and restore you. That's what they appeal. That's what motivates him. It's his desire to love you. Jesus' disciple John, uh, who wrote this account, is often thought of as Jesus' closest friend. Do you know why we often think of John as Jesus' closest friend? Because John himself refers to himself five times in the Bible as the disciple or friend that Jesus loves. That's what he said. I'm the disciple. That Jesus loves. Five times he did that. See, John realized something about his relationship with Jesus. He loved Jesus because Jesus loved him. He loved Jesus because Jesus loved him. It's the same thing we all. Can come to realize. It's not because of what we do. It's not because of what we've done. It's not because of what we can do. It's because of who Jesus is. See, John wasn't being arrogant to say, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. He was simply showing us that we're all. We are all. You are Jesus' favorite. You are Jesus. You are the disciple that Jesus loves. It's you. <laughs> it was John. It's Greg. And it's you. Later in his life, John wrote this verse, this statement in 1 John 4.19. 1 John 4.19. He said, we love him because he first loved us (laughs) what a powerful truth that we're all his favorite why did he love us was it our performance was it our ability to love him what was it it was because it was his desire it is his desire to love you first you are jesus favorite secret truth Secret truth here. We're all his favorites. Enjoy being his favorite. Enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that you are loved by God. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you can do. It's because he loves you. That's why. That's why he loves you. Because it's who he is. I want to close with this thought today. For those of you who are going through a challenging time in your life. Could be that you're feeling lonely. Maybe you feel abandoned by someone. Maybe you're going through a discouraging time. Maybe, Maybe you're in a financial crisis. Maybe you're in a health battle that's just robbing you of your hopes and dreams. You know, when I say Jesus loves you, you might be thinking, really? Really? Well, it doesn't feel like it right now. Somehow I must have done something for him to turn his back on me. You know, I want you to know Jesus is bigger than your biggest problems. Jesus is bigger Than your biggest problems. I know your problem is jumping up and down right now, trying to demand your attention. But I hope you can just look away from that problem just for a moment and look and see Jesus today. Jesus is the great lover of your soul. He's the resurrection and the life. He's our victorious king of the ages. He's the sovereign God. He's the majestic one. He's the mighty one. He is our valiant warrior. He's our overcomer. That's who Jesus is. You know, if we got our eyes on our problems and we just see that big negative thing, I just just want you just for a moment would you look away from that thing and look to Jesus. Oh, he's so good. Oh, Jesus is so good. Jesus is able. Jesus is our provider. Jesus is our, our uh, lover of our soul. He loves you. Oh, not because of what you've done for him, but because of who he is. You know, I want to remind you, Jesus brought the presence of God to us. He is the bringer of God's love to this world. He opened the door that blocked us from knowing God and enjoying the favor of God by defeating sin and the curse of death on the cross. You know, you don't have to beg God for his presence or his favor. Jesus opened up the door. And he loved you and he gave you this gift. He gave you this gift that no one else, no one, nothing can take it from you. Your problem might seem big, but I want to remind you today, right now, no problem is so big, no regret is so painful, no failure so permanent that Jesus can't give you. Victory in your life. Jesus said something to his disciples many years ago, and he wanted to say it to you today. And I'm bringing those words to you right now. Be sure of this, Jesus says to you. I am with you always. That's Jesus' words to you. I am with you always. What a promise. There's a reason that he is with you. It's because he loves you. That's why he's with you. In the midst of whatever you're going through, he is with you. You know, we could conclude that if Jesus is for us, if he loves us so deeply, that everything is going to go well from here on. From now on, everything's just going to be clear sailing. If we love him, If we have a life filled with all, we will have a life filled with all we want. But this isn't so. Jesus said, despite him being with us to his disciples, that we would face many troubles in this life. What he promised us is that he would be with us. Jesus is promising you, I am always with you. The reality he wants us to hold on to is that he is moved by what we're going through. He understands what we're feeling and he even weeps because of our grief. Jesus can comfort you in your hard times and he can give you courage and strength to believe and overcome and to see things change. (laughs) That's our great God. You know, a couple years ago, Carla's dad, who I called dad, passed away after a battle in his health. He suffered a stroke. Adam was a beautiful man. He loved the Lord. Just, just a genuine love for Jesus in his heart was just evident. He served God. Sacrificially, he gave of his time, gave himself. He loved his wife, loved his family. He helped the poor. People stole from him and he would go and stop them and give it to them. He was a worship leader in his church. He believed in his kids and he made a way for them. He helped me. He made a way for me. In his dying days, you know, we were there with him. Carla and her sisters. Some of his grandkids were there. You know, Judah, my son Judah, took time off work and flew to Saskatchewan, to be with his grandpa, to be with a man who is facing a battle with a giant health problem. Problems, fears, that seemed greater than any of us could imagine, greater than anything we thought he deserved. But you know, the whole time, what I saw in Adam is that he kept his eyes on Jesus. Jesus was the one that was greater than his problems and fears. Jesus was his way maker, his miracle worker. Adam showed us no matter the size of his problems, there was someone bigger than his problems in his life had his eyes on him. His name was Jesus. Jesus first loved him and he was the lover of his soul. You know, Jesus said these words, I am the resurrection and the life. And any man who believes in me will live even after dying. Anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. That's the promise of Jesus. That's how great our God is. Can I ask you this morning as we're closing, where are you right now? What do you have your eyes on? What challenges are surrounding you today? Well, Jesus wants you to know something right now. In the middle of it all, He is here. He's here. Would you close your eyes as we Just get our focus and gaze on Jesus. Lord, we just confess to you right now, we haven't done well at this all the time. Thank you for people that we've seen that have kept their eyes on you and they've given us a good example. And thank you for these comforting words, Lord Jesus, that you've spoken to us today, that you are with us always. And Lord, we want you to know we need your help. We need your help in this. We need your help in keeping our eyes fixed on you and not being distracted by our problems. So Lord, we pray you'd help us. Lord, I pray for people. Maybe you're just sitting right now in your living room thinking, man, I've got this thing jumping up and down in front of me, Pastor Greg, that's trying to capture my attention. It's filling me with fear and anxiety. It's got a hold of me. And Lord, we just pray that you come to that one right now. And Lord, I pray you just be gracious and whisper your love into their heart right now. I am with you always. I'm with you in the middle of this, and I'm greater than this problem. I'm greater than this problem. I'm going to walk with you and help you through. You know, Jesus is the lover of your soul. Lord, we just receive your love right now in Jesus' name. Maybe you've never opened your heart to Jesus, Well, you can do that right now. Just speak to him. Just invite him. Lord Jesus, would you come into my life? I'm just opening my heart to you. I'm just inviting you into my life. Lord, I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. Lord, wash my heart as white as snow. I want to follow you. Lead me, Lord, into peace and blessing. Help me to know and understand your love in Jesus' name. Amen.